And if you look at one of the weaknesses that we have as American Christians, it's lack of contentment sure. in our, in our life. And, um, even our orphanage director, I've begged him for years to take a salary. Um, he, I mean, you got to think this guy takes care of almost 200 kids that he opened his home to. And given we've added multiple stories onto his home and um, all of this, but he works his tail off each and every single day. And I'm like, you have to take some kind of salary. And one time we finally agreed he'll take a hundred dollars a month, which again is nothing. Um, he deserves far more than that. But even after we agreed on that, he never actually started taking the money. <laughs> it was just going straight back into the orphanage. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us on the Financial Pathway Podcast with Nate Skelly, where we discuss important financial questions and give you practical advice to guide you on your financial journey. If you enjoy the podcast, consider subscribing and leaving us a review. You can also follow the Financial Pathway page on Facebook for more helpful financial tips and videos. All right, so I got uh, Andrew Smith here with us on the podcast. Really been looking forward to this conversation. Uh, Andrew and I, we don't really know each other very well. We've had one conversation here uh, and, and a few weeks ago. But after that conversation, I just kept thinking to myself, you know what? I need to, to have Andrew on the podcast because I want everybody to connect with his story and with what he's doing because it's really exciting stuff. And so, uh, Andrew, glad to have you on the podcast, man. Thanks for joining me. Hey, it's great to be here. Why don't you, um, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself uh, and, and your family? All right. So like Nate said, my name's Andrew Smith. Um, I actually went to Bible college back in the early 2000s, but ended up leaving early after September 11th, joining the United States Army. And um, I'll get into that a little bit more later, but um, I was wounded over in Iraq and came back from that, couldn't continue my career in the military and went on staff at a local church, um, ended up being on staff at a local church for 10 years before going in, into missions. And I wouldn't be able to do any of the things that I've, I've done in the past uh, 15, 20 years um, or the things that I do now without my amazing wife, Anna. She is absolutely incredible. And then we have three kids, Addie's 14, Colt is 12, and Kinsley is eight. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, and where's home for you? Where'd you grow up? We're based in Southwest Virginia. I grew up in Blacksburg. We're still gotcha. close by that still area. In that area. We are. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what, what caused the turn from going from military, then got out of the military and then missions? What, what, what was, what was, what was it that sparked that? I have no idea other than, <laughs> than that was where God led us to. Um, growing up, I thought I would be in local church ministry for, for my entire life. Um, I loved it. I loved every second of being a student pastor working in the local church. Um, but then in about 2014, God started leading us to, toward missions and um, we were scared half to death. We had no plan. It's not like something that we'd um, prayed about for years and had been able to plan for. Um, we kind of left our job on local church staff and immediately went into mission work. And that was, that was scary. Um, I remember sitting down with the guy that I was going to be working with and with the understanding it's missions, I know there's not a lot of money, but what will my paycheck be? And he, he said, I don't have anything to pay you with. <laughs> and so that, that really was like, welcome to missions. And yeah. And you so, agree I mean, your job. 
I had. And so from the very beginning, I mean, it was trusting God to provide. Um, but at the same time, we knew what he was calling us to and nothing in our life had ever been more clear than, than the steps that we were supposed to be taking. Um, but it was, it was scary. Uh, I'm a numbers guy. So I love running um, personal budget and everything for the family. And I remember sitting down, I tell people this all the time. I remember sitting down to do the budget and you can't do a budget when there's no income. And it was like the, the weirdest thing. And I just remember balling up the paper and throwing it in the corner because there was nothing that I could do, nothing in my right. control of That's where I could change those right there. Yes, it yeah. really was. And so, yeah, it was, it's pretty, been pretty incredible to look back on the last six years and see where we started at and where God has us today. Yeah. So um, we talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago when, when we just, just talked on the phone but you originally were going to try to raise support and go to churches and try to tell people about your burden. And that didn't last very long. How long did it, it last? It, it didn't. Um, I mean, you, you, I, I always try to get wise counsel no matter what decisions I'm making. And you start calling around like, what steps should I take if I'm entering missions for the first time? And they're like, yeah. well, you need to cold, cold call pastors. Um, you need to try to book, um, schedule some dates to, to be in churches. And I lasted probably 30 minutes on the phone calling pastors before I gave up on that. And so, I mean, people that are in missions are going to laugh and make fun of me for that. But I did. I lasted about 30 minutes and gave up on that. And then traveling to churches, we, we had an incredible time meeting um, with pastors speaking to churches. But we very quickly realized that was not us. That's not the life that God has called us to. And I tell people uh, very simply, I realized I need to be in my home church. Um, for my own spiritual growth, for our family, we, we couldn't be in a place where we were traveling week after week, especially the way that we run orphans in Asia. Now um, it's what we want to do with our life. It's going to be a never ending thing. So you really can't just go on deputation for the next 50 years or so. Sure. So tell us about orphans in Asia. What, tell us about the organization, how it runs and, and what you're doing with that. Yeah. So after working with orphans for about five or six years, we ended up founding our own nonprofit called Orphans in Asia. And we just learned some things over the previous five years, um, working with some other organizations, seeing how they operate. And we realized, um, just like anybody that, that has the, the privilege of coming after somebody else, you, you learn ways that you can improve. And that's not saying you're better than anyone else. You just have the opportunity to learn from them. And so we realized there was some changes we wanted to make by setting up our own nonprofits and things that we could do that we think would improve um, not only the, the way that we steward each and every dollar that we're given, but how effective each of those dollars can be as well. And so, yeah, we started, started Orphans in Asia. And from the very beginning, we've been able to operate that without um, having ourselves on the payroll, which was, was huge for us. Yeah, and that's not typical, um, and and of course not in any way a criticism of of people that are on mission field that are drawing income support because they need to. But here you are, you're in Virginia, Southwest Virginia, and running uh, orphans in Asia, and um, but you're able to do it. So would you, do you mind telling us a little bit about how you're able to uh, to not have to draw support from the the nonprofit organization? Yeah, real quick. Let me let me say what Orphans in Asia does, if you don't oh, mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, just really fast. To put it simply, we connect those that want to help to kids that desperately need it. That's that's kind of the, the main focus. And we do that through a variety of different ways. We operate an orphanage in India. 
we're getting close to 200 kids that, that call that home. Wow. Um, we've created a foster care system where we equip local widows with everything they need to survive because many times in, in India, it's, it's about survival for them needing food, shelter. So we meet their basic needs and in return, they provide love, care, shelter, food for our children um, that are needed to be in foster care, depending on whether it's a COVID shutdown, the kids can't be at the orphanage or just certain situations the kids find themselves in, sometimes that foster care system's needed. And that actually was born in 2020. Um, mm -hmm. It came about because of COVID. And so we weren't planning on that, but it's an amazing system to have in place right now. And then we also uh, provide startup funding when people on the ground in Asian countries want to do something to help children um, as soon as we can do background checks on them, um, get some people that know them to verify you know what I mean? Um, their capabilities of, of serving kids and everything will, will give them small grants, nothing major, but most of them don't need a large amount of money to get started. And so we love providing that startup funding. And then one thing we did in 2020 for the first time is we now provide adoption grants when families in America are adopting from Asia, we can um, help them with some, some of that funding to, to cover that adoption. And so that, that yeah. means a lot to me. So that's awesome. That's awesome. So most of your work's been done in, in India, but it's not exclusively in India. Right. Yeah. The last um, three children that we provided adoption funding for actually came from Thailand. Yeah. So, what does that usually run in cost? Like if an American family wants to go through that adoption process, I mean, what do you typically see? Yeah. From what I understand, it's about 50 to $60,000 right now. Um, but COVID, the, the countries that they're traveling to, they give them a choice of hotels to quarantine in. And so that can add another five to $10,000 um, in unexpected costs just because of COVID. And for some of these families, this was very last minute when they found out about those costs. And so that's some of the, the funding that we were able to help with. And I mean, it was huge for these families. Our donors um, won't understand just how much it meant to those families. Right. Right. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Okay. So circling back to the question before, so you're, you don't take yes. the from the, from the ministry. So how are we able to swing that? Yeah. So most people, when they hear that question, when they, when they put themselves in that position to, to be in ministry without taking a paycheck, they immediately jump to the income side. Um, you know what I mean? Where, where can I make the money if I'm not going to get a paycheck from the ministry? But my wife and I really uh, focused on the expense side. We, said the lower that our expenses are, the less we have to earn from a paycheck from um, outside work. And so that was really where our focus was. And to this day, we've really tried to work hard at that, at limited expenses. And then you, it doesn't require as much of an income. Um, a couple of things, I actually wrote it down because I wanted to get the wording right. I, I keep yeah. my, I keep kind of our financial picture um, in the notes section on my iPhone. <laughs> And so every time when I scroll down to see whether it's our budget or just the financial picture, there's a couple of verses that I have to go by first. And then I kind of have this monthly personal finance statement I'll read to you. But the verses, the first one's Proverbs 21, five, it says the plans of the diligent certainly lead to profit, but anyone who is reckless certainly becomes poor. And so that's one of our main goals in our personal finances is, is just not to be reckless with what God has entrusted us with. And then Haggai chapter one, verses five and six says, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. 
and he who earns wages does so to put them in, into a bag with holes. And those are just some verses that I've came across. And um, I mean, obviously growing up in America, you don't realize how blessed we are. And then you get outside of our nation's borders and, and start to see what a lot of Christians around the world face. And I don't think they're less of Christians. I know they're not less of Christians because they have less resources than we do. Um, it, it's, it's just where God has put them, where God has put us. And we're not more blessed than they are. Um, in fact, you talk to a lot of them, they think it, it's kind of a burden, the, the resources we've been entrusted with, because it's a lot easier to rely on our own resources than, than what God has for us sometimes. And so I just kind of have those verses there as a reminder. And then this personal mission statement for our family's budget. Um, if somebody hears just this statement, they're going to think it's terrible because <laughs> they, they're not going to realize that, yes, everything else we do is focused on being a Christian. Um, so this is actually we're not ignoring the Christian stewardship aspect. This is just a simple statement. That's a reminder for me, but it says the goal of our monthly budget is to keep as much of our income as free as possible. The enemy of this goal is debt, monthly payments and wasteful expenses. So that's kind of the mindset that we've tried to have going into not taking a paycheck from the ministry um, and letting God provide in other ways. And um, one of the, one of the ways I was wounded over in Iraq, um, like I mentioned earlier, I was about shrapnel. Um, a few years after I returned, they diagnosed me with a traumatic brain injury. And I've had some issues with that over the years. And I get um, a check from the military each month from where I was wounded. And so we have that as income. My wife is an incredible photographer. Uh, she does wedding photography, lifestyle photography, and she does that. God uses that to provide for us. And then the past few years, and this is the one that we didn't see coming, is we've got a lot of influencer work um, through the Instagram platform, uh, Facebook, Twitter, where companies will pay us to post about their products. And then the past few years, they've really started paying us more for content creation, where we create, um, whether it's product shots or us um, holding the products, those kind of things. And um, then we just give those images directly to the company. And so that's the, the different ways that God's used to provide for our families while we still serve him through missions. I love it. I love it. That's so cool. And I love that you have a, a mission statement for your budget. And, it's, <laughs> and I love that. It's, it's so simple, but it's so profound. And I think so many families would benefit from that. Just saying, hey, debt and unnecessary spending and monthly payments, this eats away. It's so easy because we get a raise from, from our job or there's now there's side income. We picked up a side hustle and it's like, oh, great. So now we can afford the extra car payment. Now we can go ahead and get the cable package or get you know the new phone or wh whatever the case may be. And, and we just have a tendency to allow our expenses to continue to rise to the level of our income and we never make any margin. And by being able to say, hey, I'm gonna try to set that, that floor as low as I can and just create as much margin, that, it, that enables me, it frees me to do so much more. Um, I also love those verses that you, you pointed out. Proverbs 21.5 is a great one because it's a principle. It's not, it's not a promise that, oh, if you're just diligent and you're a hard worker, you're always going to have right. <laughs> that. Everybody that's ever been reckless always ends up in poverty, but it's 
it's, it's, it's a principle that these behaviors, these characteristics usually lead to this result. Yeah. But I, I, but I, I appreciate the fact that you pointed out, Hey, you're in, in countries like India or Thailand where the level of poverty is so much below what we would ever see here in the United States. Does that mean those people are lazy or that they're not diligent or hardworking? Far from it. I mean, in many ways, we have lots to learn from people who live in countries like that. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a principle. And so sometimes we get the mentality that because somebody has money, that must mean they're really hardworking or they're, they've got a lot of character. Sometimes it does mean that. But sometimes it's just a, a product of we're blessed to be put in a place where we have opportunity and resources and other people. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that's great. Um, like, so, so on kind of on that subject, then sort of that, that difference between American Christianity and, you know, Christianity and faith that you see in third world countries, what has jumped out to you in your experiences? Have you, so, so tell me like how, how, how much have you been able to get over to India or Thailand or some of these countries and, and what did it teach you? Yeah, so I've done, I think it's, I think I counted up, it was 14 trips that I've done to India wow. um, over the past six years. And I mean, that the biggest thing that the biggest lesson that they've taught me and that I've seen them just by watching the way they live their life is contentment. And if you look at one of the weaknesses that we have as American Christians, it's lack of contentment sure. in our, in our life. And um, even our orphanage director, I've begged him for years to take a salary. Um, he, I mean, you got to think this guy takes care of almost 200 kids that he opened his home to. And given we've added multiple stories onto his home and um, all of this, but he works his tail off each and every single day. And I'm like, you have to take some kind of salary. And one time we finally agreed he'll take a hundred dollars a month, which again is nothing. Um, he deserves far more than that. But even after we agreed on that, he never actually started taking the money. <laughs> it was just going straight back into the orphanage. And he finally confronted me and he's like, what do I need money for? He's like, you provide my food, you provide my shelter and you allow me to serve in this way that I've always dreamed of. God has met all of my needs. I don't need anything else. And I mean, I think if you look at that, if we have food, if we have shelter, and we get to serve God in the way that he's called us, um, man, we should be content. And that's one of the biggest things that I see um, in other countries, in those that are in ministry, where we fall well short of, of where we should be with, with uh, being content. Yeah, that's a hard mindset to, to find any commonality with. Yeah. We just grew up in a society where bigger is always better, more is always better. And if somebody's going to offer you more, you take it every time, no questions asked. And to hear somebody to say, well, I don't want that hundred dollars, yeah. which I'm sure in, in India goes a lot farther than it does here in the United States, but still um, that's amazing. And that's really a testimony to the heart and what drives people who, who do ministry like this. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Um, so it's a really loaded question, but how, how do we in America as American Christians, how do we, how do we retool? How do we reshape our focus on missions, mission work, gospel work to say, man, there's so much more going on all around the world than just the stuff that we're always preoccupied with in our country. Yeah. I think it's putting yourself in a position where you have to depend on God. And 
this is a financial podcast. Um, we've obviously talked a lot about numbers, money, those, those sorts of things. But somebody recently said, you have to look for God to meet needs that are more than financial. Um, as Americans, when we think about God meeting needs, it's always financial. It's, you know right. what I mean? Providing yeah. the house, the car, um, the income, whatever. But I think when you open yourself up, like we did to work with orphans, or it could be somebody else to work with church planners, you're going to be able to see God meet needs that you can't, whether it's for, sorry about that, um, whether it's for safety, um, whatever. And I think many times when we're living our life, just going through the motions here in America, if we come to a point where we need something and it is financial, we run to our local banker <laughs> to meet that need before we get down on our needs and, and pray to our heavenly father to meet that. Um, and so I think when you can open yourself up to put yourself in a situations where you are going to depend on God to come through for you, that's a huge first step. And that's one that, again, um, that's advice that I'm giving, but it's advice that I continually have to follow in my life because the easiest default position for me is to play it safe and not put myself in those situations. Right. Yep. For sure. We just have a tendency to, to have a reliance on our money. If I've got money in the bank, I've got money in my retirement account, I've got a house, I've got a car. If there's needs or if there's a squeeze, my, my initial reaction for most of us is to say, how do I figure this out? What strings do I need to pull? And then yeah. once we've exhausted all those options, then it's, oh man, I really need to pray. And really yeah. that should be, that should have been our, our immediate response and all of that. Um, so, so why, why, orf, why the orphanage? Why, why that route? I think a lot of, um, when people think missions, they, I mean, at least for me, I, I typically think of people going and planting a church or something along those lines, but you've taken a little bit of a different route. Was there a rhyme or reason behind that? Why, why orphans in Asia? Yeah. So we realized quickly doing that, that it's, it's where our strength was. It's where, when we were communicating back um, to our friends and family here in the States, that's one of the the big things our donors wanted to give toward. And obviously there's a million different avenues that you can take um, to getting the gospel to people, to planning churches, all of those different things. And you know what I mean? We could talk about the importance of listing them one through 10, all of that. But we, we knew right away that God was calling us to serve those kids. And it's, I, I love serving the children because there's no confusion about, they, they can't give anything back to you. Um, and dealing with a lot of the adult relationships, um, money becomes very complicated in missions sometimes, but when you're providing shelter, when you're feeding these kids, um, they're, they're so thankful and it's so needed. Um, the, these kids are not going to have a chance to grow up. Um, if these things aren't provided for them. And a lot of our kids come from, whether it's trafficking backgrounds or slavery backgrounds, and just to be able to provide them a home, to provide them um, yeah, shelter and food, that, that is important and it's, um, it's urgently needed. And so we, we're thankful to be able to, to do that. And it's one of those things after getting over there and meeting these kids, I could not not do it, if that answers the, the, the question. Yeah. I, I think about um, James 1. I'm sure you're, you're familiar with the, the verse that says pure religion is to visit the fatherless, visit the widows. And it's at, and, and 
it's like you said, the reason why true religion, true faith is shown out in helping orphans, helping widows is because they're the ones that have no ability to repay. Yeah. There's a lot of things in life you can do to be a help or to be a blessing to other people that there's the potential at least for that to come back to you in some way. Hey, I helped out my neighbor. I helped out this coworker. Maybe one day they can pay that back in kind or at least boost my reputation. But when you're helping people that have no status, no power, no wealth, nothing that could materially benefit you, then that's the indication of where your heart is. And um, man, it's so needed. I'm, I'm so glad for what you guys are doing and we need a whole lot more of it in our world today. Is there any upcoming projects, goals, things that are on the horizon for orphans in Asia that, um, you know, that we should know about? Yeah, so um, one thing that we're continuing to operate, we started it during COVID um, and we're continuing it now just because it's desperately needed is our village feeding program. And so we take um, rice, vegetables, a lot of different things to these local villages where many of them during the lockdowns and even now they couldn't get out and work. Um, they, they weren't allowed to leave, but because of us operating the feeding program, the government would let us come in. And so it's, again, very minimal cost for us, but we're feeding entire villages by bringing this food to them. And so that's something we're going to continue. Um, one thing I'm super excited about is we're launching our, our very own training center where our kids um, will be able to learn certain skills, certain trades in addition to their education. So we push education. We want them to, to grow up, go to college. We'll cover that. Um, but sometimes kids have to leave the orphanage early and we don't want a kid to get pulled out at 14 or 15 and us have not taught them any life skills that are applicable to the real world that they live in. And so the, the boys at the orphanage are actually learning fiber optic cable installation, which is going to be huge over the next decade in India. Um, And they're learning that right there at the orphanage training center. And then the girls, we've bought a bunch of sewing machines and at first I was worried because it is 2021 and you don't want everybody to bash you because you're putting girls behind sewing machines and the boys are doing a fiber optic cable installation. But when I got to FaceTime with the girls, that that's what they want to do. They want to make dresses. They are, are so pumped up about this. And we're going to continue to work that as funding comes in where each gender will have different options to choose from. But for right now, the girls are, are really excited about their new sewing machines. And uh, they're sending me pictures, taking selfies behind them. And, uh, those sewing machines are about $100 each. And um, we have a goal of buying 20. But um, there's a church in Thanatasassa, Florida. Um, and they have a coffee shop. It's called Global Cafe. And so they're giving part of their profits over the next month to fund the purchase of those sewing machines. So it's pretty neat seeing um, just God provide that and then people work together to, to meet that need. I love that. I love hearing about, number one, people getting on board and seeing the mission and finding ways to fund it. But I love the creativity of saying, wow, hey, we've got this coffee shop part of our church. What are we going to do with the proceeds here and just connecting that to a real need? I think that's really awesome. Yeah, Um, so we're excited. One other thing we're doing is we have a bunch of like little entrepreneurs at the orphanage. And I love, um, you know what I mean, pushing those ideas. And we had one kid recently, his job was to go and 
I forgot whether it was rice or vegetables, but he would go and pay the vendor and then bring those back to the orphanage. Well, it turns out he found a vendor that was selling it cheaper a little bit further away. And so he would go to where he could buy it cheaper and then just pocket the difference <laughs> from, the, from the orphanage money. <laughs> so we had to have a talk with him going, you weren't, you weren't honest with us about that. That, that was wrong, but we love the thought process. Like, yeah, it's if, like if that you parable keep... of the unjust steward, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. the deals so, on the side. Yeah. But we told him, like, look for other ways if you can save the orphanage money and, and some of our operational yeah. costs. Yeah. You will be rewarded for that. And so, um, yeah, we have one boy that wants to be a motorcycle mechanic. And uh, for us to, to fund him opening his own shop will probably be between three and five thousand dollars. But that would be a, a lifetime business Incredible. for him. And so those yeah. things, that's the kind of funding that I love to do. And um, yeah, and that we're kind of open to thinking out of the box and seeing, again, what we can do to, to meet the, the needs of these kids. That's awesome. And those are so such great ideas and just next level to say, yes, there's some basic needs, some basic necessities, food, shelter, but we want to think about what these kids long-term, what, what are they going to do with their lives yeah. and equip them to, to be able to, to have the skills, have the opportunities to do that. I think that's awesome. Well, Andrew, yeah. man, I, I'm, I, once again, I'm getting re-excited. I was so excited <laughs> to talk to you the first time about what you're doing. And it's like, man, I wish there's more ways we could connect you. And that's why I want you to be on the podcast. So the listeners can hear about what you're doing and, and maybe you individually listening, maybe you're not in a position to be able to help or support. Um, but man, you can at least get the word out. Um, and, uh, you know, there's so many great causes in the world and we can't get behind all of them, but man, I, I just, what you're doing with orphans in Asia really resonates with me. So Andrew, tell me, well, tell us, first of all, where can we connect with you? Like social media, the, the, all that orphans in Asia. And then secondly, tell us what we can do to, to support. We want to get behind what you're doing with Orphans in Asia. What, what can we do to support you? Yeah, so my username on a lot of social media um, platforms is Purple Heart Vet. Um, or you can search Orphans in Asia. You'll find our uh, pages on Facebook, Instagram. Um, then you can go to orphansinasia.org if you want to give. I, I'm not good at fundraising because I always ask people to give $10 a month. And my board, they're always like, you need to raise that up a little bit, but the $10 a month has worked. And I believe that's an amount that all of us as Americans can do. So I never feel bad asking for that. Yes. So yeah, if you want to give $10 a month, do that. Our monthly donors, again, are the backbone of what we do. They allow us to budget. They allow us to plan. Uh, that's big. Um, one thing that we're going to be launching soon, I haven't even told our donors, anybody about this, we're going to launch something called the legacy project. And it's going to be to try to get 250 people to give a thousand dollars a month. And I believe if a donor does that, they are really leaving a legacy in the lives of these kids and this work in India. And so, um, that's, that's an option. If you want to do more than $10 a month, that's, that's huge. We haven't even planned all that out yet, but I wanted to throw that out there. And then one thing that we're going to do this year is focus on birthday fundraisers because we had something really cool happen this past year where all of this money started appearing in our bank account. <laughs> and it was like $600, $900 um, coming in as deposits from Facebook. And I'm like, where is this money coming from? And it turns out some ladies in Singapore had found out about orphans in Asia and started creating birthday fundraisers. Um, one lady did it and then her friends started doing it. And they raised, it ended up being almost $3,000 for the orphanage um, by Facebook birthday fundraiser. So if you have a birthday coming up, create a fundraiser.
fundraiser for orphans in Asia. Um, share it with your friends. You, you have no idea who wants to give to something like that. And so it's pretty neat to share that. So I'd encourage everybody to do that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, listen, everybody, I really hope that you will connect with Andrew. Go follow him on, on social media. Check out Orphans in Asia. $10 a month. I mean, I, I really hope a lot of our listeners will just jump on board and be able to help in, in that way. And um, man, just, just do more, just do everything that we can in the little bit uh, that we can to, um, to support gospel work being done all across uh, our world and, and especially through Orphans in Asia. So it's such a neat area. Thanks again, Andrew, for coming on the podcast. I appreciate you listening, everybody. And we'll see you on the next one.